Welcome to Crossroads, the broadcast ministry of Montgomery's First Baptist Church, where you can discover God's personal plan and power to conquer your problems through Jesus Christ. Join us now as God's Word heals, encourages, and enlightens your spiritual life. Come with me now to Luke, Luke chapter 8, and we'll start in verse 41 in just a moment. I see myself as a spiritual coach, kind of the Bruce Pearl of First Baptist Church, the Nick Saban of First Baptist. I want to help you as your coach to always see the bigger picture and life's bigger issues. That would be one of my objectives. For instance, one of the big pictures is that our life here on this earth moves so fast. It's as fast as a major leaguer's fastball. It seems like just moments ago, Mary Ruth and I were meeting at Baylor University. There she is, my girl. You you know, Mary Ruth has changed. (laughs) She's gotten better, cuter, and sweeter, and more Christ-like. I'm telling you, I've had a good impact on her. I I believe I have. (laughs) And then who would have thought that Two would now be 15. That's this year's Christmas picture, just taken only a few days ago. But life moves fast, but also know life is fleeting. We have no guarantees. That was painfully and shockingly reinforced just last Sunday when Kobe Bryant, basketball superstar, had his life suddenly ended. It's hard to believe He was only 41. He had been an NBA All-Star 18 times. He had won five NBA championships, been named the MVP of the championship finals twice. This man who had a beautiful family, four daughters, he had uh, gone to church last Sunday morning. Did you know that? One of the last things Kobe Bryant did is he went to church saying that God is important in his life. And then he got on his helicopter with his daughter who was 13 and seven others. He thought he was flying over to a special event, but he flew into eternity. You see, life is it's fast. It's fragile. It's fleeting. And there's not one of us that has a guarantee on how long our life will last. As a matter of fact, that's why I take you to this fill-in-the-blank, because it represents a great truth that I've been trying to coach you about for the last 28 years. Learn to count and know what counts. Friends, you need to learn to count. Number your days, the Scripture says, and wisely know what really counts. Moses was coaching. He said in Psalm 90, it's there on your worksheet. As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80 years, but soon it is gone, and we fly away. So teach us to number our days, Lord, that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Let me tell you what really counts, friends. Today, we're going to look at a man who was wise. His name was Jairus, and what really counts is when you bring people to Jesus. That is what really counts in the final analysis, and especially if you can bring children to Jesus. So, they give their entire life journey 
to the Lord. So, if you have been assigned to some children as a parent, a grandparent, a teacher, a brother, a sister, an aunt, an uncle, this is a sacred responsibility that we need to embrace to bring children, your loved ones, to the Lord Jesus. Well, let's see how a man named Jairus did that. Verse 41 says, And behold, there came a man named Jairus. He was an official of the synagogue, and he fell at Jesus' feet and began to entreat him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years old. She was dying. But as he went, the multitudes were pressing against him. A woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind Jesus and touched the friend of his cloak, and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. Jesus said, who, who is the one who touched me? And while they were all denying it, Peter said, Master, the multitudes are crowding and pressing upon you. But Jesus said, Someone did touch me, for I was aware that power had gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came trembling and fell down before him and declared in the presence of all the reason why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Verse 49, while he was still speaking, someone came from the house of the synagogue official saying, your daughter has died. It's over. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus said when he heard this, do not be afraid any longer, only believe, and she will be made well. And when he had come to the house, he did not allow anyone to enter with him except Peter, John, James, the girl's father and mother. They were all weeping and lamenting for her. He said, stop weeping. She is not dead. She's asleep. And they began laughing at Jesus, knowing that she had died. He, however, took the hand, took her by the hand and called, saying, child, arise. And her spirit returned. She rose immediately, and he gave orders for something to be given her to eat. Her parents were amazed, but he instructed them to tell no one about what had happened. Let's pray. Oh, Father, Father, would you saturate these moments with your presence, with your power, with the provision of your transforming truth. Get me out of the way that your spirit can do your work today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here's what I want you to do with me. We're going to divide this event into three chapters. Let's begin with number one, a dying daughter, verses 40 and 41, a dying daughter. Jairus had a crushing problem. His daughter was dying. I want you to imagine what the backstory could have been. I have three daughters, so this is easy for me to relate to. I would imagine that this little 12-year-old girl was so bright and beautiful, joyful, helpful, hopeful. She was her dad's sunshine. And suddenly, something changed. Maybe it was an infection. Maybe it was a disease like a coronavirus. Some unwelcome visitor storms in, and her appetite and energy began to decrease, and her pain and fever began to increase. And she says, Daddy, something's wrong. 
please help me. They summoned all the resources available, but nothing seemed to make any difference. And soon, this bright little girl singing was sighing. Her laughter was crying. She would say, Daddy, it hurts. Please help me. I can imagine that his heart was rising with desperation. But I want you to understand something, friends. This little girl pictures all of us because all have a terminal disease called life. And we're all facing the illness of sin. And the Bible tells us in Romans 6 that the wage of our sin is death. We all have this appointment. Please note on your worksheet, it's in Hebrews 9, verse 27. It is appointed for men to die once, and after that comes the judgment. In other words, we meet the living Lord. Friends, we all know our birth date but we don't know our death date. Yet you can rest assured that it is coming. We have an appointment. One of my all-time favorite movies is Cool Hand Luke starring Paul Newman. And he has a classic line. He said, ain't nobody gets out of life alive. Not man, nor dog, nor nobody. Friends, that's the great truth. We are mortals so the big question is, are you ready? When your time comes, when your appointment is made, will you be ready to meet the Lord? This is why Jesus is so incredibly appealing, because He declares, I am the resurrection and the life. He said to that dying thief who repented, today you will be with me in paradise. Not someday, not a hope so or maybe so, today you'll be there. So let me ask you a question. Friends, we're to be like Jairus. And Jairus sensed that he was losing his daughter. Is there anybody here that senses you're losing a loved one? They're just pulling away, drawn by the magnetism and the allurement of our world. I've talked to a many a parent, and they have reflected to me they feel like they're losing a precious child because the pull of their peers, the pull of the world is drawing them away. So I want you to be wise like Jairus and acknowledge that your child needs to be connected to Jesus, which brings us to number two, a father's faith, a father's faith. You see, Jairus was a synagogue official in Galilee. Now, a synagogue official had three primary jobs. They were the administrator of the synagogue. They dealt with the maintenance of the place, and they also guided the worship adherents. So, this was the task of Jairus. He was an important man leading this local center for worship. Evidently, he had heard about Jesus. He was aware that Jesus possessed miraculous powers and had healed many people. So, what he had to do is to set aside his fear because Jesus was already regarded as a renegade. He was seen as a religious maverick. And a person like Jairus should not associate with Jesus Here's what Jairus had to do. He had to set aside his fear and his pride. I have, I have noted that one of the biggest enemies of faith is pride. You see, in our pride, we believe we can do it. I can fix this. Like a two-year-old dressing themselves, I don't need any help. But we desperately need help. Pride, whenever I think of it, I go back to that classic story about Muhammad Ali 
Do, do you remember Muhammad Ali? He was called the greatest. He was going to go fight Joe Frazier in Manila. They called it the Thrilla in Manila. That's how it was built. Howard Cosell said that, and he had an entourage on a charter plane flying from America down to, Ma to Manila, and suddenly the pilot comes on and says, we're experiencing turbulence. Everyone, please buckle their seatbelt. Muhammad Ali, being a very brash guy, stands up and says, Superman don't need no seatbelt. About that time, the stewardess said, Superman don't need no airplane. Champ, buckle your seatbelt. <laughs> now, we're all in that category. We all can see our arrogance and prize a ride and think that we have no need for the Lord, that we are self-sufficient, and we don't need to depend upon the one who created us. That is the epitome of foolishness and arrogance. So Jairus pocketed his pride and rocketed to Jesus' side. He had to find the one who could help his child. And my friends, this is a picture of what every parent, every person who is assigned a child should do. You should connect your loved one to Jesus. You see, our job is to provide for children, and so we provide academically, we provide for them athletically, we provide for them training in the arts. But if you don't provide Jesus for your child, that would be like trading the Hope Diamond for a Happy Meal at McDonald's. That would not be a wise trade. So here is our objective, is to connect our loved ones to Jesus. But please remember, you cannot give what you do not possess. So check your own heart and be certain that you are connected to Jesus. You have a living relationship to the living Lord. Well, let's go to number three, the Redeemer's response. The Redeemer's response. He says in verse 42, I'll go. Count me in, Jairus. I'm on your team. Let's go to the rescue. Now, Jesus heard with great empathy this father's plea, and he starts out on the journey. And as he goes, he encounters a woman who has been in a predicament for 12 years. She has experienced hemorrhaging. And so Jesus does something wonderful and remarkable. He cares enough to pause and heal her. I'm certain that Jairus is about to have a heart attack, thinking, I know she's got problems, but my daughter should be paramount on your list of priorities. You know what I've noted? That Jesus doesn't always operate on my timetable. Does He always operate on yours? I'll bet not. But He'll never be out of time. So, look real quickly at three things that Jesus does. Number one, Jesus, the rescuer, came. Jesus came. You see, the sincere cry for help that humble outcry for assistance is music to Jesus' ears because He's the great physician who will still make a house call. Uh, he'll only come, though, if we're invited. Please note this. Jesus will only come where He is invited. That's what C.S. Lewis said in Mere Christianity. You know C.S. Lewis' story. This brilliant man at age 32 had been an atheist. J.R.R. Tolkien had talked with him at Cambridge. He encouraged C.S. Lewis to read the Bible, and this brilliant man gave his life to Jesus. 
and he became an ardent disciple of the Lord. He wrote a book called Mere Christianity, which simply means the essentials of Christianity. And he wrote in that book that Jesus is not a burglar who breaks into your life and forces you to follow, but Jesus instead is the consummate gentleman, and he will only invite you to follow him, not force you. You see, Jesus, even now, is inviting some of you to follow. But you have the dangerous capacity to decide, to say no, and to reject. What is Jesus wanting you to do? It says in Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He wants you to call upon Him, and He will come to you. The second thing I've noted is that Jesus not only came, but He calmed. We see in verse 50 this marvelous verse he simply says, don't be afraid, only believe. There's somebody right now, and you desperately need to hear that word from the Lord Jesus. Don't be afraid, only believe. You are facing some overwhelming circumstances in your life, and the fear factor has kicked in, and it's affecting your relationships, it's affecting you physically, your performance at work, at home. Oh, my friend, listen to this. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Trust the Lord Jesus. And evidently, this calm came over Jairus. Let me ask you this. Is that a picture of your home? Do you have a calm home or a chaotic home? Do you have a home that is peaceful or it's always in problem panic mode? Do you have a home that is always filled with fighting and frustration? Or is it a place of beauty and peace, because Jesus reigns there. You see, Jesus brought peace when He stood with them. And lastly, Jesus conquered. Jesus conquered. What an awesome moment. This pictures the core purpose of Jesus. He brings peace, help, hope. He brings victory. Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Friend, no matter what you're dealing with, if Jesus can conquer death, His power is bigger than the problem that you are currently facing. So take courage. My friends, Jesus is your victor. Uh, let me kind of sum some of this up. As Jesus raised this young lady from the dead, he took her by the hand and he said, Talitha kum, little girl, arise. He broke the power of death and he was prefiguring what he would do for every person who follows him because that's what he would do on Easter Sunday morning. He is the risen Savior. He wants to arise in you and he wants to be your victor. Too many people live in a victim mentality. You feel defeated by life. You're not performing at the level that you desire. And so you walk through life beaten up. There's a better way. There's the Jesus way of the victor. There's a movie that's come out not long ago called Victor. It's a play on words about a guy named Victor Torres. I don't know if you've heard about the movie, but it's phenomenal. Uh, it's based on the life of Victor Torres because Victor Torres had a mother named Anna Torres who, like Jairus, would not give up on her sick son. You see, the single mother was from Puerto Rico. They had moved to New York City to find the American dream. Instead, they encountered an American nightmare. Victor got involved when he was 12 with a gang called the Roman Lords. 
And uh, he, as a 12-year-old, he stabbed a guy and almost killed him. By the time he was 17, he had been to jail three times. He was a heroin addict and a heroin dealer, and his life was a wreck. But his mother wouldn't let go. She would be there at 3 a.m. at the kitchen table praying for him because she had become a follower of Jesus Christ, and he would come in and curse his mother for praying for him until one day she introduced him to a pastor. And this pastor loved these street, street kids, and he had a special program, and that was a detox program that was more than just helping people physically. It told him about Jesus. He gave his life to Christ at age 17. The teacher for Victor Torres said he will end in prison or he will end up dead. And his mother said he will end up preaching the gospel. Do you know what Victor Torres right now is doing? He is a pastor in Richmond, Virginia. They have a 180-acre farm. And for the last three decades, he and his wife Carmen have helped 20,000 young people come out from under the burden of addiction because his mother, Anna Torres, like Jairus, wouldn't let her son go, and she brought Jesus to him. Well, here's the bottom line. Would you fill in the last blank? Here's the application today, right now. Are you following God's directions? In faith, are you connected to Jesus? And are you connecting Jesus to your loved ones? Well, let's pray about it. Father, oh, Father, life is fragile and fleeting. Thank you for sharing worship with us. We trust God has used this broadcast for your spiritual growth and encouragement. If this ministry has touched your life, please let us know. If you'd like to share in the cost of this broadcast, you may send your gifts and support to First Baptist Church. Your partnership with us will help strengthen and extend this ministry and will be greatly appreciated. And remember, when you are at the crossroads, follow Christ.